0: please stand and turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7, no, Matthew chapter 11. And if you need a Bible, please raise your hand. Raise your hand if you need a Bible. We have uh, a couple here. Looks like it's going to take a little while to get to you. Well, no, because Scott's running. Okay. Matthew chapter 11, verse 25. We're going through Matthew Chapter by chapter, verse by verse, verse 25, at that time Jesus answered and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and have revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. All things have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal Him. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Let's pray. Father, I I think I can speak for all of us that we come here this morning for rest. God, there's just a... There's something about us, Lord God, that refuses to rest. (laughs) And Lord, we know that rest is only found in you. We pray only, Lord, that this morning you will tell us what that means, Lord God, how to receive this promise. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Before we begin, I just want to announce that uh, this Saturday at 6 o'clock at my house, we're going to have a ministry meeting, which means uh, a potluck dinner, and uh, this is a mandatory ministry meeting. Uh, have important things to uh, discuss, Uh, but also if you are not in ministry and you are ready, cheerful, and willingly able, we do have some needs uh, and uh, opportunities for ministry here in the church, and uh, we'd like you to come out and and hear uh, about uh, just the ministry and uh, and generally, this is a, a time. Really, even if you're not interested in ministry, if you just want to sort of come out and hang out with uh, the people in the church, uh, please come. That's at six o'clock at my house this Saturday. If you don't know how to get there, please ask. Uh, please ask me or Stephanie or one of the leaders. Amy. Um, six thirty. I stand corrected. It's not at 6. It's at 6.30. Any other corrections? Uh, no witnesses Saturday. Okay, and, and so that means that the guys usually who go out on uh, this Saturday night will not be going out. They'll be coming uh, to our house. Okay, we left off last week in verses 21 through 24. Jesus in those verses is rebuking. He's pronouncing judgment on three cities. Chorazin, Bethsaida, and Capernaum. It was in those cities where most of his ministry took place. Not only did he spend most of his time in those three cities, verse 20 says most of his mighty works were there. And it says in uh, Matthew Nine verse thirty-five, just a couple chapters earlier, it says about these three cities. It says Jesus went about teaching in their synagogues, preaching the uh, uh, the goodness of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. And there are some who believe that for the uh, first time in history since Adam and Eve fell uh, into into sin, there was actually a region of the earth that was disease and sickness free. This this area in northern Israel in and around uh, these three cities. And in verse 20, it says, in spite of all that, the people of those cities refuse to repent, meaning they refuse to exchange their self-centered life with a God-centered life. And so Jesus uh, says in verse 21, he he says, woe to you, Corazine, woe to you, The Greek word for woe is this oai, this word. Sounds like Hawaii, but it couldn't be further from the English meaning. It's a word of extreme grief. It's a word uh, some uh, one might use when finding out that a loved, for the first time, that a loved one had died or was on the verge of death. And uh, it's also a term of judgment. And uh, Jesus goes on in verse 23, says, And you, Capernaum, Uh, You who are exalted to heaven will be brought down to Hades, for if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Sodom, it would have remained to this day. Now, as we said last week, it's critical to understand that uh, uh, the people in these cities, uh, these cities, Corazine, Bethsaida, and, and Capernaum, we, we would do well to find out more about these people because we don't want to be like them. We don't want to be on the receiving end of the things that they uh, had heard. And it's criti- critical for us to understand uh, that they didn't persecute Jesus. They, uh, For the most part, they didn't criticize him. They didn't mock him. They didn't ridicule him. Uh, they didn't run him out of town. They didn't threaten his life. On the contrary, they respected him. They called him rabbi. They took their sick to him. It says when they heard him teach, it says they were astonished. And they said, we have not heard another teacher teach like this. And and when they saw his miracles, it says they were amazed. And and they said to to one another, whoever heard of a man having this kind of authority? And, and so what happened, though, is, is when push came to shove, and, and this should be a sobering thought for, for all of us. This should just be a warning to our hearts. Uh, when push came to shove, these people who had seen so much... When they found out that believing in Jesus meant giving Jesus control of their life, when they found out that believing in Jesus meant uh, putting Jesus in the center of their life, it, that it meant significantly changing the plans they had made up for them, it says they were offended. Matthew 11, verse 6 says, Jesus says, Blessed is he who is not offended because of me. The people of these cities were offended. That Jesus claimed authority to take someone they thought it was their right to keep, their right over their own lives. They were offended, and so again in verse 23 through 24, Jesus says, "Woe to you, Chorazin! Woe to you, Bethsaida! Woe to you, Capernaum!" Uh, the Bible does teach that there are grave consequences for rejecting His Son. And then he says in verse 25, that's the verse we're in this morning, at that time Jesus answered and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent. Now, who are the wise and prudent? Some translations say wise and learned. Other translations say wise and educated. Who are these wise and and learned? Well, they're the people of these cities. It's people who live in these three cities, Corzine, Bethsaida, and Capernaum. Look what it says in verse 23 about Capernaum. It says, And you, Capernaum, you who are exalted to heaven. What does that mean, you who are exalted to heaven? To heaven. What does that mean? Does it mean that Jesus is saying that, that these people were so filled with wisdom and holiness that it, it was practically like heaven on earth there? No, it doesn't. This is what I would call holy sarcasm. Holy sarcasm, if such a thing is, it it must be holy holy because Jesus is using it. And so what's happening here is that the people of uh, Capernaum were so filled with education, wisdom, and knowledge. uh, The cities were filled with scribes and priests and others who were like really into just studying and, and studying about God. And learning all about the law. And it was so filled with knowledge and wisdom. Uh, the people of these cities used to boast. It's like heaven here. And, and this city is not like other cities. This city is above um, other cities. Uh, it, it's exalted towards heaven. And Jesus is, is using, he's using this holy sarcasm. He says in verse 23, And you, Capernaum, who are exalted to heaven, you will be brought down to Hades, which means Hell as we know it. And and these are the wise and prudent that Jesus is talking about in verse 25. And so he says, I thank you, Father, in verse 25, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent. Now, what happened to these people is what happens to people so often. And that is they begin to learn and they begin to acquire education and they begin to qu- acquire knowledge and and over time uh, they just sort of load up on it and so they get all have all this knowledge and education and then what happens they one way or another they come into contact with God. and in this, in this situation they actually did physically come into contact with God and, and upon meeting God uh, having experience with them they realize over time that that Meeting, that, that living for God or following God and believing in God means, uh, becomes objectionable to them because it involves handing over control of their lives uh, uh, to Him. So what do they do? They use their education and their wisdom and knowledge to come up with a persuasive and real clever arguments to discredit God, to discredit following Him, and to justify their own life. And you see an example of that up there in verse 18. Uh, Verse 18, Matthew 11, verse 18, it says, uh, For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say he has a demon. See, they use a a clever argument here to discredit John the Baptist, a prophet of God. They didn't like what he had to say. I mean, he he was rebuking them. He was exposing the... The wickedness of their heart, and so they didn't like what he had to say, and so you know they used the uh, the skills they had developed in 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 persuasiveness and and in, in wisdom and knowledge to discredit him, and 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 so more or less what they said was this: you know who is this guy anyway? I mean he lives by himself in uh, the desert. He uh, wears camel skins. He eats locusts and, and honey, he's got a demon, this guy. And so the people listening to him, uh, the people listening to him, you know, again, these arguments are coming from the smartest people in the town. And so the people listening to them said, you know, hmm, maybe they have a point. This guy is a little creepy, you know, this John the Baptist guy, a persuader a persuasive um, argument and then and then they would use the same thing um, against Jesus and his followers and in verse 19 it says the son of man came eating and drinking and they say look a glutton a winebibber a friend of tax collectors and sinners they they said of Jesus and the people again you know were hearing things like this and it was the people speaking, again, were Dr. This or Professor That or whatever they called the titles were the people of that time. And, 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 you know, they had long beards and they acted all holy and the people heard them make these arguments and said, hmm, you know, maybe they are right. You know, the people who Jesus is hanging out with are, are pretty wicked. I mean, we know them. And so maybe they're right. Maybe he is the, an evil person. He's hanging out with evil people. So a word to a word to you this morning don't believe someone based upon how educated they are don't believe someone because they sound smart or persuasive or convincing don't believe someone Uh, because they are doctor of this, doctor of that, professor of this, professor of that, or they were on a TV show or wrote a few books. Believe someone if what they say is consistent with the word of God. Because you know something, the wise and learned today are doing the same thing they did 2,000 years ago They are using their wisdom and knowledge to discredit God so they don't have to be accountable to God. How could the Bible be true? It was written by 50 different men. Over 2,000 years ago, how could the world be created in six days? How could uh, all the animals of the world be fit you know, into an ark? How could the Red Sea impart it? How could a little boy, David, kill a, a giant eight feet tall? How could a Daniel be thrown to the lion's den and live? How could his three friends be thrown into a fiery furnace and, and live? How could a person be raised from the dead that's impossible it's physically impossible science is completely disproved things like that and so they have their fancy degrees their titles their credentials a long list of books they have written what is really going on they're using their knowledge to justify their rejection of God and 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 don't think it's just for the wise and the learned because you and I do the same thing we do the same thing we start clo- toying with clever arguments uh, which discredit God or His Word in order to justify living an ungodly life. If you're taking notes, please take this down. Doubts, doubts go hand in hand with temptation. Again, doubts Go hand in hand with temptation. You know, oftentimes I'm counseling and a person is sharing doubts. They're sharing their discouragement, their despair. You know, how, Pastor Steve, how do I really know that the Bible is true? You know, there are so many religions. How, how, how do I know this one is the right one? And what about the person in the middle of the jungle, you know, who's never heard about Jesus? Uh, you know, what if I'm doing all of this and, and, and I'm following God and I'm living by the Bible and, 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 and I'm wrong? I'm just wasting my life for nothing. And the person is sharing these types of things and... But then we get deeper into the conversation and the real issue comes out. They've been playing with temptation. And I'm not talking about just temptation happening because temptation is a part of life. They've been playing with it. They've been laying hold of it. Or worse, they've been outright given into it. And without even realizing it, what's happened is Satan is planting doubts into their minds for the express purpose of pushing them further into it or into the lifestyle they've already fallen into. Let me tell you what's happened, happening when you do that. It's the same thing that's happened uh, that happened to the people of these three cities, Corzine, Bethsaida, and Capernaum. You are allowing clever-sounding worldly arguments to justify an ungodly lifestyle that you're being tempted into. Don't do that. Some of the best advice I've ever been given is this. When you're discouraged... When you're depressed, when you have doubts coming in like a flood, when you don't want to do things God's way, when you're thinking about leaving the the thing that God has called you into, or if you're just thinking about leaving God, just for a minute, just step outside of all those thoughts and think to yourself Have I been walking with God? Have I been in His Word? Have I been in prayer? Have I been in fellowship with other believers? Or have I just been playing with temptation? Have I just been preoccupied with fulfilling the lusts of my flesh? Turn to Psalm 73. This psalm has a special place in my heart. It was the first first, teach, first sermon I ever gave on Psalm 73. Praise God. (laughs) I'll give you the uh, one-minute version. Psalm 73. This is it. This is what I'm talking about right here. Truly God is good to Israel, to such as are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped, for I was envious of the boastful When I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For there are no pangs in their death, but their strength is firm. They are not in trouble as other men, nor they plagued like other men. Go down to verse 13. Surely I have cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocence. Innocence. For all day long I have been plagued and chastened every morning. If I had said I will speak thus, behold, I would have uh, been untrue to the generation of your children. Verse 16. When I thought how to understand this, it was too painful for me until I went into the sanctuary of God. You see, what happened? This guy was just preoccupied with his own covetousness and, and, and temptation. He was just looking at the world and, and, and being tempted and just being miserable in it. And and what happened, uh, you know, he was thinking, I'm, I'm doing all this in vain. It's all a waste of time. I'm going to die someday and find out. I, I mean, I could have had this great, you know, life, you know, living in sin or whatever. And, and I, I, it was all just a big waste. And, and then he says, until I went into the sanctuary of God. And, and, and when he met God, he realized it was all a lie. The whole thing was a lie, including the part about waste, you know, wasting your life if, you, you know, if, if you're living uh, in purity. And so then it goes on in verse 21. It says, Thus my heart was grieved, and I was vexed in my mind. And he said, I was so foolish and ignorant. I was like a beast before you. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold me by my right hand. You will guide me with your counsel and afterward receive me into glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is none upon earth that I desire beside you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength my, por- my of my heart and my portion forever. You see what just happened here? The psalmist was just preoccupied with temptation and, and he had his eyes on everything but God and, and so therefore doubt started to crowd into his mind and, and, and finally it says he says I was plagued with these thoughts until I went into the sanctuary of God so remember this doubts go hand in hand with temptation or an ungodly lifestyle. And so when they start flooding into your mind that those doubts or discouragement, just remember, remember that fact. And so, anyway, it says in verse, Matthew 11, uh, verse 25, Matthew 11, verse 25, it says, uh, I thank you, God, thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and the prudent. And then he goes on to say, and have revealed them to babes. Now, the word babes there is the Greek word nepeos, which means without speaking. So, this is talking about kids who don't talk yet. So, Jesus is uh, he, he's saying, uh, you've revealed them, Father, to babes. Now, I know a thing or two about kids this age. I've had five of them, and there's, I have one of them that's there right now. And, and I can tell you from firsthand experience, uh, the, the thing about kids this age is they don't pretend to know anything. And they're not ashamed of it. They, they, they know nothing, and they don't care that they don't know, they don't know anything. They're not ashamed of it. And, and Jesus says, guess what? Jesus says, that's an extremely spiritual place to be. That's a, a, a spiritual place to be. You know, kids that age have their hearts wide open to learning everything and anything they can. You know, so much so they can be a danger to themselves. Right? They'll you know stick their tongue on an electrical outlet. You know, ah, or they'll uh, they'll uh, chew on a medicine bottle. You know, hey, what are all these white little things in here? I I want to put one of them in my mouth. And you know, or they, they go. It, it's amazing. They will walk right into a pool. You know, what's this? You know, ah, you know, and they'll, they'll be going right under. And 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 so they their their hearts and minds are wide open to every thing. And and. They'll climb all over you uh, to to get to know everything about you. And, you know, they climb over me when they're that age and they'll, like, pull my chest hair and my hair out of my arms. And uh, my brother, this has a real quick digression, he's this really hairy guy and he lives in China and Chinese have no hair. And he'll just have total strangers come up to him and start pulling on his hair. It's like they think he's, uh, like, an ape that escaped from a, a zoo or something, you know, and they're allowed to do that. But kids are like that, too, and... and um they'll grab whatever, and I was in a counseling session a few months ago, and in faith, my, my three-year-old just came up, and she got on my head and was just covering my head with a blanket, and, and you know, can you imagine being counseled when the guy counseling you has a, a bag over his head or whatever, you know? you know, we do those things in this church, you know, it's, it's kind of a therapy thing, but, uh, uh, but the Bible says that we are to approach God uh, like a babe, and not ashamed that we know nothing, and and, and our hearts uh, should be wide open to learning ev- anything and everything from God. And, and what happens is sometimes is that we, we grow older and knowledge puffs up. You know, the other day I was we picked uh, my son Sam up at the uh, at his school, and we we're walking to the subway, and I noticed that he was he was going ahead of us, and every once in a while he'd look back and run more ahead, and I, well, what's this guy doing? And, 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 and pretty soon I realized, he doesn't want to be seen with me. You know, he doesn't want to be seen with me anymore, my son. And, and you know, when I got home and I was uh, uh, making fun of him, and I know I'm not supposed to do this, and I, my wife doesn't like when I do this, but I said, Sam, you know, I tell you what, I'll give you $100. Well, if I give you $100, will you sit in front of your school with me And uh, while all your classmates are coming out and hold my hand? No way, you know that, that 's just you know a hundred bucks you know easy hundred bucks won 't do it, and so that 's what happens to us is that you know we get to the point where we know something and, and, and you know that's that 's a dangerous point. The Bible says knowledge puffs up and 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 we sh- we always should have a hard attitude um, of babes, and we should by the way, we should be going into every Bible study like that every time we're with, alone with God, we should have a heart uh, open uh, to whatever he wants to tell us. Even if we've read a verse 5,000 times, we should go into uh, a Bible study. God, what do you want to tell me about this this morning? And so, uh, uh, we have to be willing to to go to God with that attitude. First Peter uh, chapter 5 says, God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. So Matthew uh, goes on in verse 27. It says, Jesus speaking again, it says, All things have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and, and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal him. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Now, these are some of the most oft-quoted verses in the Bible, and while preparing the sermon, I read one commentator, a guy by the name of G. Campbell Morgan, who, who made a great point. About these verses, and he said that people make the mistake, and i 'm the most guilty person of this. People make the mistake of always quoting these verses, starting in verse twenty eight when ever you hear these verses, whenever you've heard me quote them, what do I do? I start with verse twenty eight come to me, all you who are, are labor uh, who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest and And G. Campbell Morgan, he just pointed out this is a great mistake. And he says the quote should really start with the verses preceding it. When we quote these verses, we should start with the uh, verses preceding it, particularly verse 27, 27 where Jesus says, No one knows the Father except the Son, and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal him. In other words, the verses are connected. They're interconnected. They should be read and thought of together. And In fact, you can sort of interconnect them. And, and really, a better way of, of saying these verses is, is, is this. Come to me, and I will give you rest as I reveal the Father to you. That's what Jesus is saying. You should always read the Bible in context. How often we've been guilty uh, of reading it out of context with these verses. Jesus is saying, come to me, And I will give you rest as I reveal the Father to you. Verse 29 goes on to say, Take my yoke upon you, and what? Learn from me, and you will find rest for your souls. In other words, brothers and sisters, you will find rest for your souls only as Jesus reveals who the Father is to you. And only as you are learning from Jesus. The reason there is no rest in the world, the reason you have no rest if you have no rest, if you have a problem just resting with God, there's a reason for that. It's a lack of knowledge of the Father. The reason the world doesn't know the Father is because they haven't come to Jesus. Jesus says, no one knows the Father except the Son and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal him. Come to me and I will give you rest as I reveal the Father uh, to you. Let me repeat, there's no rest in the world. There's no rest in our lives. Because the world, because we do not know the Father. If you're stressed out. If you're anxious. If you are filled or dominated by doubt and confusion. It is because, this is Jesus speaking, not me. It is because you haven't been coming to Jesus allowing him to reveal the Father. It's because you haven't been coming to him to learn from Him. One of the biggest mistakes I see Christians make is that their devotion life with God, their relationship with God, their time with God, consists entirely of prayer. They talk with God, they pray with God, A lot. But their prayer is not combined with reading God's Word. In other words, their prayer is not combined with learning from God. By not being in God's Word, they are not allowing Jesus to reveal the Father to them. Now, I'm a huge proponent of prayer. Uh, We should have a heart and mind of prayer throughout the entire day. But prayer alone will never give you rest. Rest will only come as you allow Jesus to reveal God to you through his word. Also, uh, if you're not in God's word, your prayer life will be shallow because you're not learning who it is you're praying to. Jesus says, come to me and I will give you rest as I reveal the Father to you as you learn from me. Stephanie and I regularly counsel a, a, a woman who is constantly in prayer, but never in the Word. And the other day, actually it was a few months back, she, you know, she's just a miserable person, and she's always in prayer. This is something, by the way, I, I see quite often. Someone who's miserable, but always in prayer, and w- without w- without being in the Word. And And she was miserable, and Stephanie was counseling her, and she made the point that she, wa- she was mad. She was all mad at her pastor's wife, and which is always a red flag, by the way, with me. Uh, I, and uh, and Steph, she said, "Why are you mad at your pastor's wife?" Well, she told me, you know, you got to start praying lessons. open up your Bible. Can you imagine that? And when I heard that, I was like, "Yeah." Sounds like she got hit square between the eyes. It's exactly what she needed to hear. And, 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 and so this is true, that if we're not allowing Jesus to reveal the Father, you know our prayer life is going to be empty and we will not know rest. Now, uh, you may ask, well, why is it that I find rest when Jesus reveals the Father to me? There's only one reason, because you learn that the Father... You learn that God is abounding in grace. And that's the one thing that distinguishes your faith, if you're a Christian, from every other faith. So don't you think it's pretty important? I do. You learn that God is abounding in grace. It is only grace that will allow you to rest When you learn that your relationship with God is based on grace, you will rest. When you learn that there's nothing in all the earth that you can do to earn God's favor, other than coming to Jesus, other than believing that when He died on the cross, He paid the penalty for every sin you have ever made or will ever make, and that by believing you have become a child of God with full access to God, you will rest. Please listen to me. If you have received Christ, the Bible says, John 1.12, it says, if you receive Jesus, if you believe in his name, you have been given the right to be called a child of God. And if you are a child of God, when you meet God, At the end of the day, he is smiling regardless of how your day went. Why? There's only one reason alone. You're a child of God, you're his son, you're his daughter. He's smiling. He's not smiling because you happen to be a spiritual person that day. He's not smiling because you happen not to lose your temper too many times that day. He's not smiling because, uh, you know, you spent less time playing with lust in your mind, or you complained about people less, or you spent more. Uh, He's not smiling because you spent more time in the Bible, or in prayer, or or time with other Christians. He's smiling because you're a child of God, and He loves you. Listen, you can't can't rest when you're under the law. You, you can't rest if in order to pray to God, to, to serve God or to go to church or worship or sing or do whatever, you, you must have had a good day. That's the law. There's no rest when you're under the law. Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. The Apostle Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, says God sent forth His Son to redeem, to set free those who are under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. A son doesn't walk into his father's room wondering if he's been good enough to be a son. A son knows he's a son. A daughter knows she's a daughter. When my son Sam comes uh, home from school and he walks in home, I'm not thinking, hmm, I wonder how many rules at school he obeyed today. You know, I'm not thinking that. God doesn't think that about you when you come to Him at the end of the day. Uh, he's just saying, this is my son, this is my daughter, and He is smiling. Stop trying to be good enough to come into the presence of God. You must make a decision. Is your righteousness based upon Jesus Christ in you or is your righteousness uh, based upon how good you are on a given day? It, you know, If it's based on Jesus Christ in you, start living like that. And go into the presence of God like that, believing that. I was thinking recently how absurd it is uh, to think that I must have a spiritual day to spend time with God. Do you realize the only reason you ever have a spiritual day is because of God's grace? Recently, you know, I thought I had put together a a string of spiritual days. Never mind the fact that I was on vacation and had no obligations and, uh, you know, was sleeping in a hotel and uh, got up every morning and had a buffet and just my brother was my tour guide all day. Never mind any of that. I was real spiritual, you know. I wasn't getting angry with people, and heavenly thoughts were in my mind, you know, throughout the day, and I was whistling, whistling worship tunes, treating people nice, whatever, and, you know, at the end of the day, I could share the gospel and be with God, and, well, you know, God doesn't let that go on too long. He, uh from one day to the next, and I'm convinced this was from God. He he placed, like, every unbearable person uh, I can imagine right (laughs) in my path. Uh, no, actually, it was, he didn't put them in my path. He just fired these people right at me. You know, and and, 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 and you know, complaining, whining, you know, insulting, and on top of that, all day long, you know, just everything went wrong. Just huge problems stalking me, right? You know, all day long. And, and you know, when it was 5 o'clock, I'm like, this is enough, you know? And I, and I get in my car, and I'm driving home, and what happens? What happens? Like, every... No, every person in front of me is going like twenty miles an hour below the speed limit. You, you know that thing. You know they're you know reading a map. You know where's Paul Revere's house? You know, <laughs> you know, and 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 you know veering to the to the side and you know. And at every intersection, I told Stephanie when I got home, every intersection was a, a red light. Every one, and and you know how bad it is when a car in front of you—they're going slow, and, and, and you see the green light, you're like, man, this green—it's only been green for thirty seconds. It's going to turn red, and the person in front of you starts creeping slowly, and you're like, come on, you know, go faster, and you know, you know, red light, you know, you stopped, and and <laughs> you know, and and so you know, I get in the house, and 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 that's what I'm like, Ugh, you know, and I had to prepare a message that night. Yeah, I did, and I'm like, how can I prepare a message like this, you know? And, uh, and 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 then I thought, you know, about those real spiritual days I had had right before those, and 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 you know, and how on those days I did uh, so uh, great, and and uh, I was thinking to myself on those days, you know, oh, oh, I go to the Lord at the end of the day, oh, bless you, Lord, and bless me, and you know, you're so good, and so am I, Lord, and whatever. <laughs> And I was thinking about those days, and, and, and I was thinking about those days, and, 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 and you know, God told me, not audibly, but distinctly to my heart. So, Steve, you still want to take credit for those days, you know, Steve? The only reason I had a couple of good days was God's grace. That's it. It's all about God's grace. He kept all the lights green. He kept all the unbearable people out of my life, you know, and so it, it, listen, going to God because you because and only because you had a great spiritual day is just as bad as not going to God after having an awful day. In both situations, you are going on the basis of what you've done and not who Christ is in you. Jesus hung on the cross and experienced that most horrible death so that you could become a child of God, not having to approach God on the basis of your goodness, but so that you could approach God because you're a son. You're a daughter. So again, it says, Come to me, verse 28, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest, connected with the verse prior, as I reveal the Father to you. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. As you learn grace... You will rest there 's no other way to find rest than finding than by finding grace in Christ as Jesus reveal, reveals the Father to you. yeah, I want to finish up this week the same way I finished up last week. talked a lot about verse six. Jesus says, "Blessed is he who is not offended because of me and, and how and we 've talked about how many people turn away from Jesus because they 're offended by who they find out Jesus to be or what kind of claim uh, he has on their life or that they don't like his timing uh, in their life or something or, or whatever. And, and they're offended. And, so, and they turn away. And as I said last week, the real tragedy of, what, uh, of that is that Jesus is the least offensive person who ever lived. He has no offense in him. Look what it says. In verse uh, twenty-nine, take my yoke upon me and learn from me, for I am gentle. Some verses say, uh, some translations say, meek, because I am gentle and lowly in heart. And all he wants to do is give people rest. He says, "Come to me, all of you, all, all, all." I mean, can you imagine a, a less offensive person than that? Just, he's someone who's, who's gentle and, and lowly in heart, and he just wants to give you rest? The one thing that the entire world is looking for? This is Jesus. This is the person that people are getting offended by. This is who we get offended by. And of course, it, when we're offended, it, it's not God in us. It's just our carnal nature. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. And then he says, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Man, have I struggled over the years as to what on earth that meant. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. Because, quite frankly, sometimes it's pretty difficult walking with Christ. what it means is 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 this he's referring to grace and matthew i think it's 23 jesus says beware the pharisees because they put heavy loads on you and they don't lift a finger to help you and he's rebuking the pharisees when jesus that that's their yoke when Je- jesus yoke is just grace He says, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. In other words, there's there's nothing you can ever do in order to get access to God other than receiving the free gift of life from Christ. That's grace. My yoke is easy. My burden is light, he says. There's no burden of trying to please God trying to please him and please him and please him and please him when you're living under grace because you understand there's nothing you can do uh to to ultimately to 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 get access uh, to him it's all about grace and the fact you're a, a son the fact you're a daughter in christ walk in grace this week and he'll give you rest let's pray Father, I just thank You, Lord, for Your Word and revealing to us this morning who You are. And we pray, Lord God, just that You'll help us, You'll build us up, that we would get a regular diet of You. That we would allow Jesus to reveal You to us as he promised he would do, that the Holy Spirit would lead us into all truth. Thy word is the truth, your word says, Lord. And I just pray for every person in here that you would come into to focus, Lord God, in their hearts and in their lives, that you'd open up their eyes and their hearts and their minds. They could walk in grace. Not paying attention to what anyone how anyone else is walking their Christian life, just paying attention to you, not paying attention to any other faith, any other philosophy, any other clever argument, just their their eyes fixed on you, Lord. We thank you for your grace, Lord. and we love you. We need you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, God bless you. If you need prayer, please come up.